I want to speak to you tonight from Luke chapter 8. It's um, the parable of the sower. And before your heart sink and say, oh, I heard this in Sunday school. I'm taking a fresh take on it tonight. We know the sower sows the word. And we know enough that wherever God's word operates, there also is the Holy Spirit. The word and the spirit work together. So I thought it would be rather fun to have a look at this parable from the point of view of the Holy Spirit. See if you can pick it out as we read. Luke 8, 14, 4 to 15. And when a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, a sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot. The birds of the air devoured it. And some fell upon the rock. And as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns. And the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. And he said these things. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Very significant. There's no hearing without the Holy Spirit. Verse 9. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they're in parables so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard, then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy, but these have no root. They believe for a while and, in a time of testing, fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. My title tonight is Sowing to the Spirit. Galatians 6 verse 8, one part of it says, The one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Now, a key point of interpretation in Galatians 6 and also the parable of the sower is that it's not telling you how to be saved. It's telling you how to respond to the Spirit and the Word so that you can bear fruit. The seed is the Word, and we know from the cross-references that the seed is the, the Word of the Kingdom. That is the gospel of salvation, yes, but it also introduces us to the authority of God over our lives. And the more we surrender to the authority of God, the more we open up to him, the more we follow him, the more fruitful we become. So the word and the spirit are working together in this parable. Some of the key words are understanding. 
Matthew's gospel says that well, the reason it became unfruitful because they had no understanding. Here it talks about receiving the word, welcoming the word. And we know that this is all about revelation, the revelation of the spirit. Now understand this, God's word carries its own authority to bring about its complete fulfillment. But that word must be received in good soil like seed. It must come with revelation and understanding so that it can bear fruit. So if we want to bear fruit tonight, we have to know what it is to sow to the Spirit, to respond to the Spirit. Very briefly tonight, I want to highlight these three different kinds of ground. First of all, there's the hard ground. That's the seed that falls in the pathway where people are walking. And when there is a path that has been beaten by many, many footsteps, it becomes hard, trampled down. And tonight, here, there may be some people who feel exactly like that. Your, your, your heart feels hard. And it's not that you have deliberately chosen to be hard of heart, but you have been beaten down. I think that there's so many people that I know as I seek to, to reach out to folk and befriend people and just get to know them and talk to them about Jesus, so many of them, their hearts are hard. And it's easy to say, oh, you know, you're just rebellious. You, you have, you know, rejected God and, and you're not interested. But you know, that's a very judgmental attitude. The more I get to know them, I begin to understand that life has beaten them down. And the life has trampled them down. And so, this move of God, how do you respond to the Spirit when you feel beaten down and trampled down and, and, and it's just not penetrating? The only answer is, open up. Open up. And, and that's something we have to learn. When, when God is moving and manifesting his presence, you can remain stoic as a stone and not let it touch you. But there's a decision, a decision point that you say, I am going to open up to the Holy Spirit. Now, many people have opened up to loads of things in life and been hurt. And so they close up again. Now, if that's you, let me assure you that the Holy Spirit will never fail you. That's why we're very careful not to over-prophesy and over-predict and, and, and kind of exaggerate what is happening. We're not saying that a mighty revival is going to sweep us into the end time and Jesus is going to return in the next five minutes. We haven't a clue about that, but we know this, we are in a season of refreshing. We know this is long planned by the Holy Spirit. This plan of God goes back at least 31 years when he spoke to a prophet about 2017. And we're in that meeting, some of us. Jono was there, Amanda was there, Gabriel was there. And, and we, we sensed that God ignited something in our hearts. And we've been hungry what God is doing. We're going to continue to seek God throughout the year and that same prophet 
is scheduled to be with us, God willing, on the 20th of May, Pentecost Sunday. And we, we, we're going to get so ready and prepared. And I think every Sunday, if we open up to God, we will get more and more and more. And who knows, who knows if we give God full permission and open up where this will end. Let's go for it. Amen. Open up. Open up. The second ground is the rock, rocky ground. And uh, there's lots of ways of imagining this. You can think of a, of a field, and the field is full of stones. I was traveling in a, in a country recently where there were so many stones, and uh, the, the farmers had to first clear out every stone. And stones were piled high all over the place, otherwise very fertile, but the stones, you, you've got to get rid of them before you can make the ground fruitful. But the image that Luke 8 gives me is some, some, some a seed is falling on the rock. And a rock has crevices. And in the rock crevices you find a bit of soil and the seed takes root. It says, fine, I've got somewhere to grow. But the soil is very, very shallow. And so there is not enough root, not enough soil for the roots to develop and so it soon withers up. Maybe that's you tonight. What's God's word to you? God's word is, go deeper. Go deeper. Now, I don't know what kind of depth, spiritual depth, is in your experience. But I do know this. All of us can go deeper. When God moves, it's a time to say, God... Extend the influences of your spirit. Go deeper in my heart, deeper in my life. I want your spirit to so water that seed that it drops deep down into my life and the roots go deeper and deeper and deeper. Because only something that is properly rooted can bear fruit. So when the Holy Spirit moves. Don't just take it in your stride and say, I got this. No, no, no. As you open up, ask him to go deeper and deeper in you. And there are depths of spiritual experience and joy and fruitfulness and deliverance and freedom and fellowship and access to the presence of God. There are levels which are so, so deep. So let's go deeper with God. Can I have an amen in the house of God? Amen. And finally, the third ground, thorny ground. Now this is a little more tricky. And so the picture here is that there are several kinds of seeds. There's the seed of the word, and that's what the spirit wants to foster. But other things are growing as well. And sooner or later... The thorns, the weeds, grow up alongside what would become an otherwise fruitful plant and begin to choke it, choke it. And that's usually the end of any revival. And for this, I, I want us to say, God, we, we don't want this to end. 
It's going to grow, it's going to bear fruit. So let's do some weeding in our lives. And what, what are the weeds that grow? Three things are mentioned here. It's the cares of life, the deceitfulness of riches, and the pleasures of life. And how, how true this is. These other things come in as well. And I kind of get the feeling that as soon as you say, God, I want to go deeper with you. I want to open up to you. I want to go deeper. I want to receive the seed of your word. And I want to respond to the Spirit's impulses and sow back into the life of the Spirit so that from the Spirit I can reap fruit. Devil comes along and says, oh, all right, here's some good soil, nicely prepared. And he will sow his own seeds and set different kinds of traps. Those people, and we, we can name some of them and imagine some of them, or visualize some of them, people that we know, down through the years, things were going well, everything was going fine, then something hit them. A reverse of circumstances. Maybe it was something to do with an illness or the loss of a loved one or, or something, a rejection or a problem at work or some, some offense in the church. And as a result of that, anxiety came in. The cares of this life, the cares of this world, watch out for them because they will choke the very life out of the seed of God's word in your life. The devil does not want you to be fruitful. And, and if, you, if he can get you all anxious and all worried about all kinds of things, and distract you and turn your attention away so you stop seeking God, then he's got you. If you come into times of difficulty, and we know, as Jesus promised, in the world you will have trouble. Amen. How many people would like to claim that promise? You don't have to. It'll happen. But he also goes on to say, cheer up, I have overcome the world. So if troubles come and difficulties come and tests come and trials come, don't let them take you away from God. Let them take you closer to Him. Let them take you closer to Him. And uh, you just have to travel on the London Underground or on London buses or just walk London streets to see a whole bunch of troubled souls. It seems as if the weight of the world is on their shoulders. It's called life in London. And many people struggle in so many different ways. Be very careful when you're full of the Holy Spirit not to smile too much on the underground because they'll wonder what's the matter with you. You're the only cheerful face in the whole of the carriage. But you know, don't let those cares, don't let those anxieties, don't let the things that you're worried about. You know, if you gave some attention, I'm sure all of us tonight could find something to worry about. But don't go there. Reject that thought. Say, God, whatever I go through, you are with me, and I will get, this will bring me closer to you. It's a choice. I've seen it so many times when difficulty, tragedy, disappointment hit people. They can either get bitter or better. And let's choose to get better. As they say, I can't resist saying it. It's a corny saying. When life gives us lemons, let's make some lemonade. Okay, I got it. I got it out. And then there is this deceitfulness of riches. And it's not so much um, finance or money in and of itself. It is the love of it. It's the pursuit of it. And, and, you know, if only you 
you and I, we could just say, God, you take over my career. Take it over. Now, I want you to advance. God wants you to advance. God wants you to get promotion. God wants you to go forward. But don't make this the end game. So many people say, I have no time for God. I have no time to attend cell meetings. And by the way, I'm hearing reports from the cell leaders of how they go straight from the Sunday service and off into their cell meeting wherever, and, and the same thing happens in the cell meeting. This is transferable. I want to make sure every cell leader is a minister of revival. Amen. 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 You say, I don't have time for that because I'm so busy. Well, everybody's busy, but you know, there is a way of bringing God into every hour of your life, even the sleeping hours. God, good night. I see you in the morning. Look after me. Every, every moment, every day, if it's consecrated to God, it's amazing what you can do. God does not want more of your time. He wants all of your time. He wants you to be at the center of everything. Your recreational life, your recreational time, your work, your home, everything, even doing the washing up, Holy Ghost time. Hallelujah. I have a wonderful system in my house. There is this machine, I don't know if you've ever seen one. You put all the dishes in, press the button, and half an hour later, it's all gleaming and right. Now that's the Holy Ghost. That's the Holy Ghost right there. <laughs> and then the pleasures of life. I was talking a little bit about this today. London is a very sensual city. Don't forget, God gave you your senses. The sense of taste. Touch, sight, sound, smell. Beautiful things that can enrich your life, but when your God is your belly, or when your God is the sensuality and the pleasure that so many of these things uh, give for a short time, we make them an idol and we pursue the wrong things. There are people who are addicted to pleasure. Lovers of pleasure rather than God. Now, I'm, we're not a killjoy here. We, we believe that we can be holy and we can be enjoying the good things of life. Moderation, of course. But never let those pleasurable things get you because they will trap you. It is the bait of Satan that you follow what makes you feel good and you then say it is good and you say, right, that's done, it's never done because it leads to a greater appetite in that direction and a greater appetite and a greater appetite and you find yourself trapped in this downward spiral, this bondage and, and, and it squeezes out your spiritual life. So what do you do instead? The cares of this life, bring them to Jesus. Cast all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. Riches, say, God, you bless me, you prosper me. I put my life in your hands. I won't be addicted to wealth, but I will be a good steward of wealth, so help me God. And the pleasures of life, turn aside from the things that take you away from him and find pleasure in the presence of God. In your presence is fullness of joy and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. There's that uh, uh, line that comes from one of the songs and I forget which one but I love it when we come to it. I have found the sweetest of loves. That song, in this, remember that line? 
And this is saying that the love of Christ and the life of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit is so enriching, nothing, nothing can compare with Him. And in those moments, we will say, Amen, nothing is better than this God until we leave and take our eyes off Jesus and start to substitute things and self-medicate with all kinds of pleasurable pursuits. So what is the secret in all of this? Why? It's obeying the impulses of the Holy Spirit. And what we see in that fourth ground, the good ground, which is prepared, it is not rocky, it's not thorny, it has plenty of space. We've seen how the first ground says, open up to God. The second ground says, go deeper. The third ground, I didn't mention the thorny ground, it's focus. Keep your focus on the Holy Spirit. And as you keep your focus on the Holy Spirit, you will find Him sending to you divine impulses. Truly being led by the Holy Spirit. Now, in the early days of the charismatic spirit, charismatic movement, you were nobody if you weren't being led. I'm being led to do this and led to do that and God changes his mind and leads me somewhere else. I'm led to this church, I'm led to that church. No, no, dogs must be led in that kind of a way. I know somebody says, oh, I'm led! I'm led to buy fish and chips. Why don't you just say I fancied some fish and chips? Oh no, the Holy Spirit's testing me. He's leading me to throw it away. Listen, listen, that's not the kind of leading that I'm talking about. I'm talking about truly divine impulse. And for that, you've got to recognize the voice of the Holy Spirit because when He gives you that impulse, Believe me, the best thing you can do in your whole life is to obey it. When the Holy Spirit gives you an impulse and says, no, you say, whoa, okay, I agree, I agree. When the Holy Spirit says, yes, then don't hold back. Say yes. Learn to be sensitive to the impulses of the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying you've got to be led by your emotions or your feelings. Because the Holy Spirit sends his impulses in so many different ways. A little while ago, we were in Brazil and we have been conducting uh, almost nationwide interviews, as a bit of an exaggeration, but city after city, talking to people and, and going to where young people are. And sometimes where you, if you gather where young people are in a certain part of town, you know, you've you got to pray that God will keep his guiding angels with you. Anyway, we had unsatisfactory interviews in certain areas and we needed to get some more. And so it was agreed we'd go to a certain part of town where they were going to have, have every whatever day it was, there was some kind of festival and, and music, loads of young people. And as we got into the car, all of us would, would, were being driven together. I began to feel very uneasy. Now I'm bold and brave when God is on me but I also pray that I will be sensitive to the Holy Spirit who says, uh-uh, wrong turn, no, 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 don't go. And this feeling grew um, and till eventually I had to say, stop, 
we, 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 we should not go. I, I'm very uneasy about this. And I couldn't put my finger on it because we, we, we sometimes go into difficult and dangerous situations if, if we know God's with us and really sending us there. And he will keep us safe and protect us. And so they said, well, okay, where should we go? And it was as if the Holy Spirit had spoken to me. Just, I heard these words in my, you know, mind, very clear. Go home. Don't go anywhere else. Go back home. Go straight back to the hotel. And so the evening was still young. Went back, obeyed the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't know what would have happened if we had disobeyed God at that moment. I don't know. But I do know this. I don't want to find out. I'm just happy to say when he says yes, I say amen. When he says no, to say amen. And there are times when God in his graciousness will prevent you and will stop you and will give you a warning if you're sensitive to him. If you are, I'll say this, these words deliberately, hell-bent on doing your own thing, then the Holy Spirit might just get out of the way and say, go ahead, help yourself. Learn the hard way. But we don't want to learn the hard way. We want to learn by sowing to the Spirit. In other words, when the Spirit gives us an impulse, we act on that impulse. And in doing so, we're sowing back into the spiritual realm. And from that same realm, we will reap from the Spirit, as Galatians 6 says, eternal life. And here is not eternal life as an entrance into heaven. It's talking about experiencing all the good things about life. As we've just been singing, we come alive in the river. I'd rather be alive in the river of God than anywhere else. For that's the only place where life is truly found. So my message tonight is obey the impulses of the Holy Spirit. Open up. If you're finding it difficult to receive, open up. And thank God he's gentle. Not always, but mostly gentle. And it's like the gentle rain that softens the soil. And so the soil begins to absorb what God is doing. And if that's what you feel like tonight, great. Just open up to him. Or you might say, well, I've achieved some stuff. I've moved so far. But God says, no, I want you to go deeper. Say, God, take me deeper and deeper into you. Do a deeper work in my heart, a deeper work in my spirit. When you're building buildings, you, you don't waste, you don't uh, skimp on the foundations. You dig the deepest and the best foundations possible so you can have a building. When you are planting a plant, you keep it deeply rooted so that it can bear fruit. I have been fascinated for many years with the Japanese art of bonsai. And you know what I'm talking about, bonsai, those miniature trees. And they are real trees. And I, I wanted to get one, I wanted to grow one, I wanted to do one, but, but I believe it's the Holy Spirit, not being over-spiritual here, stopped me. And I thought, why? What's it got against bonsai? Then I realized that he was speaking to me Say, don't let anybody trim your roots. I want your roots to grow deep in me. So don't be a spiritual bonsai. 
Let the Holy Spirit extend the depths of your roots. Go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper in God. The more he pours out his spirit, the deeper you go. The more you say yes, the deeper you go. The more you respond to his impulses, the deeper you go. Say, God, go as deep as you possibly can, deep as you want to. Take every part of me and let the Holy Spirit work on the inside. And the time will come in due season, you'll see the fruit of that. And who knows how glorious that's going to be. Also, learn to focus and keep your focus on the Spirit, not be distracted. And anything that comes across your path, take it to God and it will be the means of bringing you closer and closer to Him.